everybody, Dimitri here. Scott Fowler from the Charlotte Observer will join me in a moment for this week's edition of the Midweek Talk Through. But first, I do uh, want to tell you about our friends at Graffiti. Now, look, the football season is coming to an end, but they have been our partners this entire first season of Young Guns. So we are asking you, if you have not already gone to visit them in downtown Cary, do it this Sunday or do it any other day of the week. There is always cool stuff happening at Graffiti, including those Sunday bourbon pour specials. You see them right there on the screen if you are watching on YouTube. A level for every investment that you want to make uh, in uh, delicious bourbon. All kinds of delicious drinks. And that menu is always changing to reflect the art on the walls, which is also always changing. Graffiti is almost a brand new experience every time you go. But you know they're always going to have axe throwing. You know they're always going to have delicious high-end cocktails. If you have not gone, do it right away. 158 East Cedar Street in downtown Cary. They support us, so we are asking you to visit them and support our friends at Graffiti. 158 East Cedar Street in downtown Cary. Welcome to what will be the final midweek talk-through edition of Young Gun for this season. My guest today, Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer, part of their po- uh, Processing Blue Panthers podcast. Uh, Scott, you have been following the team for probably as long as most of us can remember, but obviously, like us, through the entire season. And I wonder if you ever gave into what Lauren and I did of those those moments of progress. Maybe they're going to turn it around. Maybe there's going to be at least a hand, like literally a handful, five victories this season. Or have you been pretty sober in looking at this team the whole way through? Uh, not sober enough at the beginning, I would say. <laughs> I think, um, I like all people, uh, you know, that were probably around this team didn't would not have expected. Two and fourteen, and an NFL worst record. I thought, in fact, predicted in the newspaper at the beginning of the year that they would go seven and ten, and now that seems ludicrous. How could they possibly have won seven games? But at the time, um, I did not know the offensive line would regress so much. Besides Bryce Young's sort of you know stops and starts, which most rookies are going to have, they have not been as good in a lot of other positions as I expected. So here we are, and uh, it has been a bizarrely bad season to cover. You're right. I've covered all 28, 29, however many there have been now, uh, Panther seasons. Uh, This is not the very worst team they ever had, but it certainly is, is very close and in the top three at least. So talk to me about that. What keeps it from being the worst that you've ever seen them have? I mean, is it purely is it purely the extra win at this point, or is there some promise that you see in this team that you did not in that team that won, went one in fifteen so many years ago? Yeah, um, and I think so my actual barometer is I think the team in two thousand ten was the worst. The one in fifteen team in two thousand one scored a lot of points, played some entertaining games, and ended up having 20 guys who were on the same team that made the Super Bowl two years Mm. later. So that was a pretty talented team. They were just kind of misused. Like Steve Smith was – they were just letting him return kicks and not even become a – you know, he wasn't even a wide receiver at the time. And so those guys were just not – you know, they they were young, but you could see it. 2010 was the most hopeless I've ever seen uh, going to, you know, Panthers games, even more so than this year, because the quarterback was Jimmy Clausen and they could not score. I mean, this team is bad. They have a shutout last week. 
but that team scored maybe 10 points, seven points every week. And that's just, that's numbing after a while. And you didn't know Cam Newton was on the horizon at that point, of course. They got good, too. And the Panthers will get good again. It's just how long, you know, are we all going to be here when that finally happens? Uh, so <laughs> this one, those are the other two teams that rank to me, like, you know, as I catalog the worst of the worst, uh, those would be the three. So we are recording this on Tuesday afternoon. So by the time you hear this, we will likely already know what Dave Tepper's punishment is for that video coming out of him clearly throwing a drink uh, at the people of Jacksonville. Um, I I do wonder, this is a guy, and you did a great job on your Monday column of sort of cataloging the arrogance and lack of patience that he has and, and what has resulted from that. This season, I wonder then why you think it is that he is still so married to Bryce Young. Does he view Bryce as his contribution to the franchise and he's bound and determined for this to work out? I mean, I told you before we started recording, I'm a Bryce fan. I I want it to work out for him. I think it can work out for him. But Dave Tepper doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would be showing this much grace to a young quarterback. (laughs) Well, I don't think he's making the quarterback decision week to week, but he certainly does have uh, input, uh, you know, on the long-term future. Um, It is an interesting question because, you know, he's fired his last two coaches midstream, Matt Rule and Frank Reich, back-to-back years, very almost unheard of in the NFL to do that Mm -hmm. two years in a row to fire a guy and, you know, and have interim coaches two years in a row, not just one. However, they have been patient with Bryce. He's also been pretty patient with the general manager, Scott Fitter, who still uh, is employed and didn't go down with the ship as Frank Wright did when he was fired. So I think, yes, um, that Dave Tepper, in some respects, is patient. And I think he knows it'd be ludicrous to throw Bryce Young away after one bad year in front of an awful offensive line. Uh, I would tend to agree with you that I think it may work out okay for Bryce. I see some hope in Bryce. Um, every year, every week, I see something. Last week, maybe the one exception. But in general, I think the guy can can be a middle-level NFL quarterback, starting quarterback. I do not know if he can ever be a top-10 guy anymore. But I, w- I can say I think he, he can at least get between 11 and 20, which is pretty good. You can win mm-hmm. there. You know, You can win there if you can surround him with good players. Right now, of course, he's bottom bottom three or four, maybe the worst, honestly, yeah. um, this year. But it's early. You know, it's early in a, in a long career. And so I think there, Tepper, at least, is showing patience. Uh, in many other ways in his life, he does not. But with his quarterback, he does. You pointed out in your Monday column that you have talked to former Panthers employees that swear Anybody that was willing to tell Dave Tepper the truth about where he and the franchise are right now have been uh, invited to leave, uh, let's say, or no longer employed by the Panthers organization. I I wonder if it is somebody, and Bryce wouldn't be the guy because he's a rookie, but I wonder if it is somebody like a player that might have to be the one to do that. I mean, he, he seems to think he's more of a football guy than he is. Would it be football guys that could get through to it? Uh, I, yeah, I don't think not players and Tepper really would not have much interaction. I mean, I guess you could see if, you know, like just hypothetically someone like Thomas Davis or Luke Keekley was here or something. I mean, 
And not that a guy like Shaq Thompson, who's been here a long time, wouldn't have the owner's ear if he asked for a meeting. But I think these players, it's just such a different role, right? I mean, that you know, a third of them will be here next year, maybe mm. a half. And they're not nearly as invested as the long-term front office people uh, want to be here for a long time. And that's where I think uh, either Dave Tepper will not take advice or he is not given strong enough advice that ends up so that we don't have incidents like what we saw in video on Sunday or these two interim you know, uh, head coach, it's been three, actually, Ron Rivera was also, was also fired in the middle of the season. So firing guys in the middle of the season never works out. Never yeah. works out. Um, so these sorts of impetuous decisions, uh, that he, he says he's a very patient man. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. He, he did say that in his last press conference, uh, that he was very patient and, you know, in the financial world, people are at his business 20, 30 years, et cetera. I don't know what, I don't know if that's true or not. All I can tell you is what I've seen. And he has been extremely impatient and it has worked out very poorly yep. uh, as evidenced by this 31 and 67 record they have in the 98 games he's been the owner. All right, so I'll I'll reiterate that we are recording on Tuesday afternoon before any punishment uh, for that drink throwing incident has come out. But I do, Scott, want to ask you about something else we see in that video. And you mentioned Scott Fitterer uh, a little bit earlier, the fact that he has been able to survive. He looks like um, just a babysitter that has lost control and has just given up uh, any semblance of being of having any level of being in charge. Is that? why he survived is there any reason to believe he's going to be part of this process and finding a new coach going forward it's a great question and i don't know i honestly don't know if yeah. he's going to be part of it or not um we'll know in in a week or two because someone's going to have to hire this new coach and he'll be it'll either be scott Federer or, or the next gm that'll be uh leading the search along with with dave tepper um yeah, in that video, I don't really know what Scott Fitterer should have done. I, I can't sure. really place any blame there because I don't know what I would have done. I mean, he, he, a lot of different things could have been going on in his mind there. He does just sort of stand and watch it happen, and who knows? And, and let's what be that let's means. be fair to yeah. yeah, let's be fair yeah. to to Scott. We don't have audio, so we don't know anything that was going on aside from what. No, we you don't know the, the drink line on that. You don't know if there's cursing somewhere who knows what what the sound is because it's a it's a, it's like a silent movie and so you can read into it a lot of things but uh you can definitely see the contents of a drink uh yep you know going toward the crowd and why i'd like to know but the the fact the panthers didn't issue a statement sunday night or monday i think does speak volumes in some ways because if you had a lot of uh backstory on that that wasn't captured by the video that you wanted to get out to make you look better i think it would have you know been to the panthers best interest to have gotten that out in some way um also i think we might be dealing with a legal situation here mm -hmm. and they may be getting legal advice don't say anything because yeah. it might come back to haunt you so i think whatever we get eventually will be informed of a statement with no questions probably answered and it will be very carefully vetted by lawyers. But again, why are we in this position? I mean, it's it was completely avoidable.
Yeah. And yet here we are. I made the point on the Tuesday show that uh, I think that more than any sort of dollar amount, what would really speak to Dave Tepper is if Shad Khan came out and said to do that to our fans at our stadium is unacceptable. How many, you know, how many team owners have gone on the road and watched their team lay an egg and not behave like that? I guess maybe, though, it's kind of par for the course that you are not seeing that. Very rarely does one owner speak out against the other in the NFL. Super rare. Uh, gosh, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think if not for Mark Leibovich's instances, but boy, not many. Yeah, I think uh, if not for Mark Leibovich's book, um, it was called Big Game. I, I don't think we would know as much about the infighting between these owners as we do. Yeah, I think that that happens behind closed doors, and you know, they have their own little, you know, like high school, they have their own little friend groups and all <laughs> right. that stuff, and. Some people love Jerry Jones and some people don't like him. Same with Robert Kraft and some of the more powerful owners. I mean, Jerry Richardson was a powerful owner mm -hmm. when he when he owned the team area. He was very involved, uh, you know, and had a lot of kinship with some of those owners. Um, and and also, you know, made made some enemies, I'm sure, while he was doing some of those uh, during the strike and all that. Dave Tepper hasn't been there that long. So I don't know. I really don't know who his, you know, owner friends are, but. Uh, yeah, the ja it is interesting that the Jaguars haven't said anything, but I think, again, they've probably been told, look, the NFL's going, hey, we got it. We're yeah. going to handle this. We did it with Bud Adams when he flipped the bird at some fans in 2009, and they quickly fined him $250,000. And Bud Adams said, I'm sorry. And, you know, I kind of hadn't thought of that instant for 14 years until it happened. Now right. the Panthers are in a very similar situation. So as we wind down the season, I do want to close out with a couple of quick questions here. But first, I'll ask you, what what have you heard regarding the coaching search so far? Or are things being played relatively cl uh, close to the vest? Um, have not heard very much, but I think it's just almost absolutely uh, for sure that they will Talk to Ben Johnson, at least, uh, Detroit's offensive coordinator who has North Carolina ties, and um, they were interested in last time, and uh, that last time only being one year ago. Um, but no, I don't, you know, really, we haven't reported anything other than the rumors and speculation that everyone's probably heard. I don't know that there's been any real, oh, yeah, you know, that's going to happen. But I will tell you, I think Ben Johnson – We'll certainly get an interview, but he's going to have other options than this. And again, that video is not going to help on the coaching search. But, you know, the video is one thing. I think if I'm a head coach, I can sort of maybe dismiss that as, ah, oh, he, you know, he just got mad and that was, that wasn't smart, but so what? But what you can't dismiss is six head coaches in less than six years when you count in yeah. coaches. And you start thinking about job security. And Frank Reich had a four-year contract, which he will get paid for. But a four-year contract that he lasted 11 games. Nobody wants that on their resume. No young, ambitious, hotshot offensive yep. coordinator wants that. And you got to be really sold on Bryce Young. Whereas the Chargers job where you've got Justin Herbert just sitting there for you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a beautiful, maybe the be most beautiful city in America. And, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a great job. So yeah. these guys are going to have to sell themselves and, you know, well, you know, Harbaugh, I mean, will he be a factor? I mean, I think quite possibly um, might be a factor. Um, 
but I think ultimately, if I was guessing, it'd be a it'd be a young offensive coordinator already in the NFL in his first coaching job. That'd be my guess. So I, I want to I want to tie that into something that was reported right after uh, Frank Reich uh, got fired. Is uh, Mike Florio reported that he had heard from many. Uh, assistants that had been in Carolina before that were openly telling people stay away if they if they call you it's a tough situation it's not something you want to be a part of does it seem like Tepper would be willing to shell out that whatever money would be necessary to change those minds yeah absolutely that's one thing he is not he is not cheap um, yeah I mean he's got 20 billion dollars got to spend it somehow right and, <laughs> you know he's paying two other coaches right now partially uh, yeah. and Matt rules, you know, partial contract and then Frank Reich's entire contract. And I don't think he money solves a lot of those problems. So I think, and you're always, you know, if you're the ambitious young guy, you're like, yeah, but I can fix it. I can right. fix it. And the thing is one good part about it is you were following some absolutely disastrous seasons, six of them in a row. And so, the first guy who turns this thing around not only gets that first big contract, probably gets a big extension and, you know, is beloved. And there's just a lot of opportunity here. Um, you know, if you, you know, and it's sort of in the same way Ron Rivera had a really good long run here, uh, taking a team that went two and 14 and, and then quickly making them good again, um, or at least decent and then mm. good. Uh, so there is a, there is an opportunity here and maybe the hot guy is not the right guy anyway. You know, Matt rule. I mean, Tepper had to outbid the New York giants for Matt rule. And we saw how that turned out. Um, he was about to, you know, he was probably going to go to New York at some point. So is that, you know, so who knows who the, you know, where the next uh, Mike Tomlin is, which is probably Tepper's like, ideal a guy who's mm -hmm. always had ever all these winning records 17 or something in a row and tepper was a minority owner of the steelers at one point he's from pittsburgh loves the steelers brand i mean that's what they want here but where they are and what and what they want is just so far apart right now yeah uh last but not least what would you do with bryce young this week i mean it is the epitome of a meaningless game but at the same time you played at this many games. Why not play at the last one? What's the right answer here? I mean, I would probably sit him, honestly. Um, I just, he's, they've been fortunate. I mean, the guy's been sacked, what, oh, just ungodly number of times, yeah. like 59 or something, but he's not really hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's great. And it is completely meaningless. And who cares if Tampa Bay wins the division or doesn't? <laughs> right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> They'll probably beat the Panthers regardless. But, why let Bryce take six more sacks? And then, you know, the last one is the one that, you know, good, you know, God forbid he tears his ACL or something. I just feel like this is the one that you let, just let Andy Dalton play, you know, yeah. there's nothing to be gained from it. I mean, he has played a lot with this group and these receivers. And I don't think, Oh, suddenly magically they're going to find something. I'm sure he wants to play. That's what I would do. I don't know that that's what they will do at all. Um, probably isn't because normally whatever I advise him to do is <laughs> completely ignored and it's been that way a long time, right. <laughs> but that's what I'd do. I would, I would set Bryce Young down this week. Let the, let the uh, youngster uh, just have a, have a week off and sit back and be the emergency quarterback. You know, he can play if Andy Dalton gets hurt or something, right. but other than that, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd make him number two.